When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I wanted a career in which everything would matter, so I joined the CIA, and now I help protect our families, our friends, and every fellow American. Find out how everything you do in your career can impact our nation. Visit CIA.gov careers to learn more and apply. All right, welcome in. Another episode of Another Carolina Podcast. I'm your host, Pearson Fowler. You can catch me weekdays from 12 to 1 on the home of the Gamecocks 107.5 The Game. With me, as always, Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark. Full slate today, a lot of recruiting topics, and we're actually going to finally get to your questions because not only did Wes remember to post a thread, but he remembered that he posted the thread. So we're going to go ahead and get to your questions sort uh, of towards the end of the podcast. So thanks to everyone that has submitted one on the thread on Gamecock Central. And before we jump into our first recruiting topic, I want to remind you guys to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us a lot. And if you like what we do and you want to hear more of it, that really, really helps us. also want to remind you to sign up for the Gamecock Central newsletter, which is totally free and totally awesome. And it's the first thing I do every day is I wake up and I check it and it's in my email and it's just a great way to, to stay up to date on all the Gamecock things that are going on. Uh, so without further ado, first recruiting topic. This has been sort of, I think, the thing that people have been most interested in talking about around town uh, for the last couple of weeks. want to get an update from you guys. Clemson running back, now former Clemson running back, Tavian Feaster, who graduated from Clemson, has put his name into the transfer portal, is going to be a graduate transfer somewhere, and South Carolina offered him sometime last week. And so there's been a lot of discussion about not only where Feaster would like to end up, uh, obviously Carolina's interest in Feaster is legitimate or they wouldn't have offered him a scholarship, but also sort of what he could bring to the table for a running back room in Carolina that has really underachieved over the last couple of years. So first things first, are you guys hearing anything from Feaster's camp about his interest in the Gamecocks? Yeah, I mean, this is one in which uh, I think the stars are sort of aligning for South Carolina. Um, you know, there's a lot to like for someone like Tavian Feaster about South Carolina's situation, whether you, you consider a variety of factors. I mean, proximity to home obviously is one. This is a guy who's from Spartanburg. It's a short distance from home for him to finish out his college career. South Carolina's running back situation is far from settled. Uh, they don't have the established number one back. There's a lot of questions going into the summer and then preseason camp in the 2019 season about who's going to be the lead guy. Feaster's a guy who's leaving a situation at Clemson up very good program obviously where he's had some success in spots um, because he's looking for a place to showcase his talents more so when you look at that you got to consider okay what are some places that make sense and South Carolina just happens to be one of them Um, you know I think he's going to continue going through the process he's got to finish up some some classes this summer um, so he won't be able to enroll anywhere until August but there's just a lot of things to like about South Carolina's position and the mutual interest is, is really heavy here. And how much would that actually help Carolina? Because I've seen that hotly debated on Twitter. I sort of fall into the camp that Carolina needs someone to pick up a third and a fourth and one. And even if Feaster's not going to come here and get, you know, 200 carries and be a 1,000-yard back for Carolina necessarily, he's not going to be a Heisman finalist here. But if Carolina can get someone to pick up a third and a fourth and a third and one or a fourth and one, that significantly improves their offense. It's such a little thing, but it's a little thing that I feel like really hurt Carolina at times last year. 
not being able to pick up those short yardage situations. They they need that, but you know, even aside from that, I think you sense a lot of frustration from Will Muschamp and the coaching staff about um, South Carolina having the the box blocked, which is tough to do in the SEC and and even the non conference opponents like Clemson that South Carolina plays every year. Um, and they get it blocked, and then they don't pick up, like you said, Pearson, the one yard, or they don't take a zero or one or two yard gain and make one guy miss, you know, right. and make and make a chunk play. So that's one thing you look at Feaster when you look at his body of work. You know, it's not like this is a twenty carry a game guy. You know, um, part of that is you know they've had Travis Etienne for a couple of seasons. Um, last season they had Lynn J. Dixon. They've had some good good other backs at Clemson. They've taken, uh, even with ETN on the roster, a little bit more of a by-committee approach. So they've had him as the lead back, but they've given other guys carries along the way. And so while he's not going to be the workhorse type, he does have speed. This is a guy with an 89-yard touchdown run, you know, to his credit, um, against NC State. I believe that was last season. He's had some other big runs in his career. He's got a lot of speed. He's got some size. You look back at some of the plays he's made, he's capable of bouncing off some tackles and things like that. So they want to increase the competition, but also bring in a guy who um, has the skill set to walk on campus and and potentially be that top guy immediately. Now, healthy Rico Dowdle, in my opinion, can have something to say about that, but that's going to be a question mark uh, until further notice. Wes, if you had to bet your life on it today, will Feaster be playing running back for South Carolina in 2019-2020? Yeah, I mean, I think if I'm betting my life, I'd say wow. yes. Um, and, you know, I to me, it's, it's very simple. Like, it, we can get caught up, uh, like you said, on Twitter or on the Insiders Forum about, you know, oh, this is a former Clemson player and uh, this whole thing of, you know, I've, I've seen some takes about, you know, I don't I don't want anybody from Clemson on this roster. And to me, all, all that's a non-starter. Like, that's not even remotely a factor. To me, it's very, very simple. Are you a better football team with or without Tavian Feaster? And even if, let's say Rico Daddle is healthy for the entire year, is completely the guy we've all thought he could maybe be from the beginning, and and even if Daddle ends up being the starter, well, couldn't you benefit from having a number two even of the level of Feaster? Even if or if they're if Feaster's one A. And Daddle is one B, and those guys can rotate, and you you don't have a drop off, and both guys can give you some consistency. Um, then even then, it, it's a it's a positive. I you know I, I think you look at the skill set of that group, and you know Feaster didn't have big numbers at Clemson. He didn't have big numbers in the passing game either. But I was looking back at some of his high school stuff. At one point, I think his junior year, this kid was a thousand yard. This is in high school, a thousand yard rusher and a thousand yard receiver in high school. And I look at the fact South Carolina struggled to consistently catch the football out of the backfield as well. That is something we haven't talked about, but that gives your offense another element to have a guy who can consistently catch the football uh, from the running back position. I, I think it's an absolute no brainer. You bring him in, it brings more competition to that position. It even, you know, you wouldn't think this in most cases, but this could actually help South Carolina's depth at defensive back because it allows you to make the full-time move of A.J. Turner to cornerback if you want to. If you feel like A.J. is your third-best corner, uh, which right now, before the freshmen, you know, are in the mix, which they're, you know, 
bunch of those guys are on campus now. And Johnny Dixon's going to win a starting role by the start of the season. So we know that's going to happen. So, AJ, you know, maybe put him at number four. But your, your point is taken well. Yeah, that was tongue-in-cheek, by the way, for those who have not, wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, not a caught bit. on to the fact a that little bit. But he's my new favorite player. Pearson is, has a man crush on uh, Johnny Dixon. But, you know, I, I think that, uh, it, yeah, we're, we're talking about, not us, but a lot of people are talking about all the wrong things as far as Tavian Feaster. Who cares what team he was on before? Well, and it doesn't make any sense. I mean, to your point, it never hurts to bring in quality depth for several reasons. One, because Carolina's running backs have not been good. Two, because you lose Tyson Williams and you're not going to have A.J. Turner there full-time. So it's Rico Dowdle who's underachieved, Mon Denson who's never really had to be the guy. He's been the guy in games before, but we don't know what he would look like as the number one feature back. And then Deshaun Fenwick, who's got like 20 carries in his career. So it's a position and a that... a freshman in Kevin Harris. Who right. You're talking about a So freshman. it's a position that, you know, we, we think about, oh, you know, these guys have been around for a while, but it's... First of all, no one that's really taken the reins and said, I'm the guy, and also no one that's stayed healthy, and also it's a little bit thinner than I think we imagined. So there's no situation in bringing in quality depth doesn't help you. But the thing that's so weird to me, people must just not be sold on what Feaster can do as a running back because I heard none of this when Josh Belk wanted to transfer to Carolina. So do people think that Josh Belk is just that much better a prospect than Feaster, or did I just miss all of the, you know, all of the dissenting opinions when Josh Belt came to Carolina. Well, I'm wondering if maybe some of the Feaster stuff is because of how the Josh Belk thing um, maybe played There's out. There's no doubt. Because yeah. you know how it is. Now, but you know how we cover recruiting, and, and now any in-state prospect who grew up rooting for Carolina now automatically is going to go to Clemson because Xavier Thomas did. Yes. Yeah, like everything is, oh, this is going to be Xavier Thomas part two. It's like, no, not really. I mean, Xavier was Xavier. Situations. And, yeah. Yeah, it's different. So, yeah, I, I think that the Belk stuff is still fresh in everyone's mind. Um, you know, Caleb Chalmers was at Clemson, then went Juco, then South Carolina, and that yeah. didn't really work out either. So it, it hasn't worked out, obviously, with these guys that have left Clemson. But, uh, I mean, again, I just – I don't even think that's a factor. And, I, you know, I went back and looked. I, I remember when, when Muschamp was hired at South Carolina – Feaster had been to, had been committed to Clemson for ten months, so <laughs> yeah, it's not like he just spurned Will Muschamp and the staff. I remember it was actually kind of newsworthy at the time. Bobby Bentley was by Spartanburg High School right after the staff got hired. You know, I think South Carolina checked in um, at the school and stuff. And you know, Feaster, from what I remember, was committed to Clemson for a long time. Maybe looked at Tennessee a little bit while he was committed, but really, for the most part was just firmly committed to Clemson. There there was no reason at the time for him to open it up and look at South Carolina. So um, it, it's not like this is a guy who, you know, gave South Carolina the finger and said, I'm not, you know, I'm not interested in Will Muschamp's staff initially. Like, it was already right. done at the time. And he's a graduate transfer. He's yeah. finished his career at Clemson, and he wants to just go play one year somewhere else where he can get a little bit more play than he was going to get at Clemson. So regardless of what fans and angry people on Twitter think, the coaching staff certainly has interest. It seems like Feaster also has interest. Do you know what the holdup is? Is he just, like, waiting to weigh his other options? Yeah, you know, I think, um, and Chris, you can weigh in, I, I think he just wants to, you know, check out a couple of visits, maybe see a couple of schools, and then to to get the rest of the pro- uh, process out of the way as far as getting actually graduated from Clemson because he has a couple of classes to take. Um, and, and it kind of works out for South Carolina in that sense in that, you know, they wouldn't be able to bring somebody in until August anyway because the numbers. So, um, you know, if he spends the summer getting completely graduated, sort of pushes it to August, comes in, 
fall camp starts, boom, see where it goes from there. Would that be the scholarship that Josh Belk vacated? Is that how that would work? Would it count towards the same no, so, total? Or? So, so basically, South Carolina, for their initial counters for the 2019 class, they've used all 25. So in order for him to— But Belk to, was in the 18 class, correct? He, his scholarship counted towards the 18, and then that was vacated. So would they be in, be able then to, like, retroactively— No, no, no. You, you can't—once it's counted, it's counted anyway— and Bel- Belk actually technically counted forward to 2019 okay. because he did the same thing that they would do with Feaster. They brought him in in August so that they could count him forward to 2019. Um, as far as we know, that I mean, he played here. Like, that, you still have to count. Like, you don't get that counter back No, as far as Belk goes. I mean, mm-hmm. he was here for a year. No, it, can't it, just it, just hel- it. it just helps you on the, the, 85. You know, the 85 limit. Um, Guy goes on scholarship, it's, it's counted. Yeah, so you you have basically you would count Feaster ahead to twenty twenty, and that's why you can't. That's why you have to wait till August to bring him in. If you somehow went ahead and brought him in, he would have to count towards this past year, and they don't have any spots left. Other big recruiting story of the last couple of weeks because it's actually been a couple of weeks uh, since we've done this. South Carolina getting a, a commit from linebacker Muhammad Kaba, three star according to rivals, four star if you look to scout. But either way, like a borderline. Either very, very good three-star or low four-star caliber guy. Carolina beat NC State head-to-head, but he had a pretty impressive offer sheet on top of that, even though it did ultimately boil down to South Carolina NC State. Saw a lot of good things written about getting this commit uh, for South Carolina. What kind of player does Cobb project to be in college? Well, can we just go ahead and make him a Gamecock Central four-star? Like, Do we have the power to do that? I if mean, we, both vote. we work for Gamecock Central, and I mean, I think I'll email Shoe and make sure, but I think yeah. Shoe also would have him as a four star. Yeah, I mean, to me, the kid looks like a four yeah. star. Um, this is a bad dude. I mean, we've talked about how there's not there's not a lot of linebackers out there anymore. Um, you know, that's something we've we've heard that basically the kids who used to play linebacker in high school that are the size and athleticism are now playing defensive end because high schools are just saying, hey, go get the quarterback. Everybody's in the spread. So there are very few guys that have size, speed, athleticism you're looking for to play linebacker in college that have the experience and the instincts playing linebacker in high school. And this is one of them. Uh, you know, I, I think he's not the biggest kid in the world right now. Uh, that was one thing some people had asked us about, you know. Just in terms of like, he's he's skinny. Yeah, but because but, he's pretty tall and he's long, he's like six three. Yeah, right? that, yeah, that's what I'm getting to. He, yeah. uh, you know, he's like two hundred three pounds, I think. But yeah. first of all, that's plenty big enough to play linebacker in high school. Um, second of all, the days of just sticking two hundred fifty linebacker, two hundred fifty pound linebackers on the field and saying stop the run are completely over. And uh, he's got a big frame, so you know, I, I think you give him. He's got an entire other season of high school football. Um, Believe he's he's an early enrollee, right? That was the plan, I think. Um, we'll double check that. And those things aren't always locked in this early, but chance to be an early enrollee. And uh, so you get him in a college weight program. Uh, you know, this is a guy that's going to play, I think, at like two twenty or something like that. And um, to me, that that's plenty big enough these days. Like I think we all get locked in this idea. And I, I'm bringing this up because when he committed, some of it was actually on Instagram, of all things. Some of the Instagram comments were like, you know, get this guy in the weight room, get this guy in the weight room. Like, no, he's yeah. perfectly... And he's what, like 16 or 17? Yeah, he's, I'm sure he's 17 years old, I would think. Perfectly big enough to play 
high school linebacker right now, has a great frame, hardworking kid. Um, he'll be fine. I mean, what did Scott Moore play at? Like, you know, it's not – He's probably what, about, about 220, 230? Yeah, I think it, at his absolute heaviest, maybe right. 230. Right. Uh, probably a little bit below that. So, But the range, the length. You know, and, and that's why I just wanted to clarify when you said that he's not big. He is. He's tall and he's long. Yeah. He's just not big. But I mean, you're right. Like the and I talked about this a little bit on my local show. The linebacker position has changed like maybe more than any other position in college football yeah. over the last ten years. Jasper Brinkley, when he was playing middle linebacker for South Carolina, probably weighed more than half of Carolina's defensive line from last year. And that's not an exaggeration. It's just it's such a different game now. You have to be able to cover. You know really athletic tight ends and running backs out of the backfield. And so, I mean, you, you frankly, you don't, you don't necessarily want a guy that's going to be 250, 260 playing linebacker. So you put him at 205 now. You say he adds another five, maybe 10 pounds in high school. You get him into Carolina's weight and nutrition program. He's easily going to be able to get up to 220, 225. But what is, what is interesting to me, again, I, I don't really worry about that stuff because that's, that's going to take care of itself by and large once you get into a college program. But I've mentioned a couple times now the range, the coverage ability, the versatility, the ability to, to play a couple different positions. Like, I don't know if, I don't know exactly what his coverage skills are, um, but someone that could at least be like a good cover linebacker, not necessarily nickel, but, you know, someone that Carolina uses in sub packages. And again, just like good commit, not that beating NC State head to head is like, oh, yeah, that's like, you know, big time. But you look at the rest of his offer list and he had offers from Oklahoma and from Clemson and I think maybe one from Georgia. Like there were a lot of good programs that were interested in this kid. NC State's had, they've actually done pretty well producing NFL talent too, on defense, on defense. especially. Yeah. They had a center that just went highly, but, you know, and defensive line. A couple years ago. Linebacker, yeah, and in-state guys. I mean, they've done well with their evaluations on those guys. But, I mean, Sky Moore played his senior year, his fifth, fifth year senior year at 218, you know, is what he was listed at. And then during the season, you always lose weight. So he's probably 215, you know, yeah. or less. Um, and and Kaba's a little bit of a different type of player than Sky. I mean, Sky was – he was just a stud. He could just do a little bit of everything. But I think Kaba can play any of South Carolina's linebacker spots. And he's he's got the frame, long arms frame. I mean, he can fill out plenty. And I think there's a lot to like there. I, I like that he, he knocks people's heads off, man. Yeah. Like, if you look at his film, guys are going backwards. Like – this isn't a kid, and he's wrapping up too. He's not just going for the kill shot, but he's driving through people. They go backwards, and um, he's actually got got some plays at tight end where he's catching the ball down the field, like I mean, twenty twenty five yards down the field, showing ball skills, going up over top of defenders. Um, I think that ability to play in space on offense probably does translate a bit to what you're talking about, where you're trying to cover in space on defense. I mean, it's not exactly the same, but I, I think a lot of those skills probably transfer over. And, um, you know, by all indications from around his area, just a, a good, like, team-oriented, hard-working kid, which I think fits sort of the blue-collar mindset of this defense or, or as far as what they want this defense to be. I think when people are making player comparisons or at least projecting what a player could be, they tend to be a little overzealous or just basically project the most optimistic outcome for somebody's future. And I have seen people saying that this guy could be the next Sky Moore, and part of it is because of the way that he attacks downhill at the line of scrimmage. Part of it is his coverage ability. But what do you guys think is like a reasonable expectation slash player comparison for Kaba? Well, I know how much Chris loves uh, making comparisons. So My absolute favorite in the world. Um, I was going to let him go first. Shoot. Chris you Clark, the simile king. Uh, no, I uh, <laughs> I don't think Sky Moore is the, is the comparison. Um, I think Jamar Brown, who came in the last class, is more of a Sky Moore. 
comparison just as far as coverage ability. I mean, Jabbar was a guy that, again, not very big. Uh, I'm talking about a kid out of South Florida, um, much like Sky, that covers well, was outstanding in camp. Um, Akaba comparison. I put you on the spot. I That's what we, yeah, this. we might have to think on that one a little bit and we double back because I'm I'm not really I don't really have one I can't that think comes of a South Carolina guy yeah that, that's what memory. I can't really think of a recent guy that really favors him well that's great because like he's a you could think of some like Rodriguez fit and you can see a little bit of the you know Muschamp says Bryson Allen Williams there's some and yeah. you can see some of those things but Kaba there's not really one that just jumps out there. Cool. Well, we'll get back to that. And if y'all think of one over the course of the rest of the podcast, let me know. Otherwise, we'll blurt it out. It, which, yeah, just blurt it out. Just say just like a, a random name. name and we'll know yeah. what you're talking about. Um, other quick thing I wanted to ask you about on the recruiting front. Do you guys have a latest on 2021 commit LaVeisha Carroll? Did I say that right? That's that's what we're going with. Um, yeah, I mean, we uh, obviously like to promote our content, too, um, here on the podcast. It's good and content. As I, is this. Uh, so I just talked to his his coach um yesterday and we've got an article up um and if you want to read more about feaster and the stuff chris was talking about he's got an insider report up as well today but um you know this was the first 2021 commitment to the class which i believe chris you went back and looked that's is that the earliest commit of the Muschamp era Era, it is indeed (laughs) um but i uh, i i think that you know this is a situation where a first of all from talking to his coach Kid's an absolute stud. I mean, 6'1", 192, runs a 10'6", 100-meter. Um, you know, schools are recruiting him for running back, which is where South Carolina wants him at. Um, cornerback, safety, slot receiver, outside linebacker even potentially. Um, you know, getting back to that thing about kids growing. You know, th- this kid's 16 and he's already 6'1", you know, 192. And it's like, uh, how big is this kid going to be eventually? But um, – you know, I, I from talking to his coach, I think there's still a number of schools that are still chasing him, and with it being such an early commitment, I, I think this is a thing where South Carolina will have to sort of continue to recruit him like if he's uncommitted. You know, we'll have to continue to track him like he's uncommitted. He's going to visit Auburn at some point in the next few weeks. Uh, South Carolina was by his school uh, for the evaluation period last Tuesday. Uh, you know, that's Thomas Brown who's heading up that recruitment. Uh, the coach, you know, basically said that he is still sold on South Carolina, but um, it does sound like other schools are, are still chasing him, and that uh, it, it'll just be like Muschamp talks about. It'll be a marath- it'll be a marathon as opposed to a sprint, but still a, gr- a great start of the 2021 class. I mean, this is a national level guy. Alabama's after him. Georgia's after him. Auburn, obviously. Notre Dame just came in and offered, I think, last week. Uh, so schools are not going to stop uh, pursuing this kid. And it's so far away. It's so far away. But it is nice to go ahead and get that early commitment. Where's Carolina recruiting him? Because, like you said, he can play everywhere. Running back. Running back. Uh, yeah, that's where they want him. You know, I, even even with them recruiting him at running back, I still think you have to sort of put it out there that who knows, who know, you know, with it being this early, who knows where he ends up. Does he want to be a running back? Or other coach or other coaches in schools going to maybe say, hey, we're going to turn you into a six-slot receiver, and that may end up being appealing to him? Uh I'm trying to think of when he committed. I I think he, I think he, is open to multiple positions. But um, if South Carolina is recruiting him at running back, that probably means they have an indication that that's what he wants to be. In most cases, last recruiting question for you guys: the 
always unanswerable question, but you know, I just feel like I have to ask you at this point. Do we have a, any update on Jordan Birch? Yeah, I mean, with with Jordan still going through the process, um, you know, the three teams that you hear the most with him are Clemson, Georgia, South Carolina. Um, Gamecocks, of course, got him on campus three straight weekends earlier this spring. I think there's a good chance that he's back on campus maybe by the end of the month. Um, again, in Columbia, a short trip down the road, obviously, for him and his family. And uh, Georgia is likely, last we heard, to get a visit this weekend, a return visit. Um, Clemson's still in the mix. Um, there's been a lot of varying sort of info behind the scenes that makes it pretty difficult to sort through uh, because it's a pretty quiet recruitment, but there's a lot of opinions and um, – you know, so-called information that percolates sort of behind the scenes. So we got to, Wes and I always have to sort through that. But um, I think South Carolina, a lot of teams, I'll say this, would love to be in the position South Carolina's in. It's still hard to tell what's going to happen for sure. Um, but they've done really good work. Will Muschamp's done a great job with the family. The rest of the coaching staff's done a good job with Jordan and the family. High comfort level there with, with the family. And uh, have to see what happens. Uh, Georgia, Clemson, not going to make it easy on Carolina, but uh, they just can continue to battle it out there. you got to be optimistic if you're a Carolina fan, as much as this has turned. Like, it seemed like talking to people around town, everyone was convinced that he was just going to end up at Clemson, and that was the end of it. And really, I don't know, since, what, March or so, it seemed like Carolina was a more yeah. legitimate option. It feels like they're sort of gaining momentum here. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's a couple aspects to it. Number one, I, I think South Carolina has continued to gain momentum. But the other part of that is – I do think for whatever reason, and maybe um, at one point the Clemson pool was even stronger, but I think even before, I think you're right, Pearson, it, it did definitely start gaining steam even more this spring, particularly, you know, you get a kid, any kid, three straight weekends, that's a good thing, no matter where he's from. Um, and so that definitely helped. But I think even before that, a little bit more behind the scenes, I think people were writing off South Carolina or saying, just sort of chalking them up to Clemson. And other college staffs are doing it, too. I mean, so it's not just media or fans or whatever. Um, but I think South Carolina was always sort of there. I think Will Muschamp had done a, a really good job of building that foundation with Jordan and the family and and has just continued to build on that. Um, I, you know, we don't know for sure how it's going to end up. Um, I'm not saying these two are even exactly the same, but I, I remember at one time – there was just always an assumption that Zach Pickens was going to go to Clemson. I mean, just always from Anderson's, 15 minutes away. You know, Clemson's doing really well, um, blah, blah, blah. And even when folks thought that Clemson was still in it, they were out. I mean, even though it wasn't out there in the public, you know, atmosphere. Um, and I'm not saying Clemson's out with Jordan Birch. I don't, I don't really think that's the case. But I think South Carolina has a lot working in its favor with this one. Well, the funny thing about that, too, is that I think at about that time it was Georgia that sort of became South Carolina's biggest competition with Pickens. Um, I think they probably finished second with him, and now you actually have a little bit of a maybe a mini push from Georgia with uh, with Birch. You know, I, I think he's one of those guys, like we talk about, not a lot of information gets out, doesn't say a lot, but uh, when you follow the visits, um, you look at all the visits to South Carolina, but now you look at, a potential return visit to Georgia after taking a, a visit there earlier this spring, uh, you know, to me that says a lot too. So I, I think it's it's kind of interesting that both have followed that parallel. And we don't want to say that, it's, that that means it's going to play out the same way because it doesn't. But 
just that you know we all all we talked about was South was Clemson early on, then South Carolina and Clemson, and then Georgia sort of pushes into that mix as well. And and he hasn't been to Clemson since last year, last season, right? So I mean, you you look at that and you sort of go, that's a little off, you know. If if he's some He's definitely going to Clemson or some lot. That's a little odd, you know? Yeah, he did and the slide a couple times, and then he was like, yeah, this is overrated. <laughs> maybe maybe so. That must be what happened. But this feels like one that like, we may not even know until he actually announces, and I feel like that never happens. I feel like insiders will always know, even if it's just like the day of, they will know before the official announcement is made, but it feels like as close as his camp keeps it to the vest. Uh, we, we really may not know. But we'll have all the updates for you, as always, as these guys do. I won't. They will. They do. Chris and Wes do all the hard work, uh, which is as good a time as any to remind you all that if you're not subscribed to Gamecock Central, first of all, you should be. Um, but if you want to be subscribed, if you haven't been a subscriber before and you want to check it out, exclusive podcast code GCPOD will get you a month of all the insider scoops for free. And that's all you have to do. Again, it's an exclusive podcast code. So your reward for listening to this, in addition to just being – you know, entertained and informed with, you know, just amazing insights for about 40 minutes. The other added benefit is you get the exclusive podcast code GCPOD to try a month of Gamecock Central for free. Uh, other big story coming out this week, and we do a lot of Gamecock stuff around here, and this is not directly related to the Gamecocks, but it's college athletics, so I figured it would be worth us touching on, is the NCAA reportedly, and this is still a very nascent story, so... We don't have much other than just some some speculation and some vague outlines here. But the NCAA is forming another committee, a group uh, with members from all three divisions of football and, you know, including the Big East commissioner and the Ohio State athletic director and a bunch of people to reevaluate how the NCAA doesn't, in this case, but hopefully will, compensate players for the use of their likenesses, i.e. in the NCAA football games, which we all I'm sure listening to this, uh, know and love and have fond memories of. Guys, my first reaction to hearing this because it's the NCAA is just skepticism. Um, but it, at least they're calling the meeting. Like, they could have done what they've done the last couple of years, which is just, like, not even address it at all and sweep it under the rug. Are are y'all more optimistic than I am that this will lead to something? I, I mean, I definitely am I, because I think that um, they wouldn't be coming out having this conversation they would, like you said, just ignore ignore it, I, I think, if it wasn't a possibility. Um, you know, the fact that, I mean, the NCAA put out a statement on this. Uh, you know, they announced it, that they've developed this group. You hope that it's not lip service just to sort of be like, oh, hey, you know, guys, we're, we looked into this, but this doesn't work for us. Um, if, if it, But knowing how they tend to operate, I don't think, I don't, I don't think they'd even be saying this is a possibility and knowing that it's going to get a lot of people's hopes up with it not being something that they're going to truly look into. Um, now, I think it was it was sort of interesting. They kind of talked out of both sides of their mouth a little bit in that As know, they, do. they said they were going to um, examine issues related to student-athlete name, image, and likeness, and then they went on to say that um, basically in no way— But they're way, not going to pay them. In no way will they consider any concepts that could be construed— as payment for participating in college sports. So I, I take that to mean that basically no no school or the NCAA itself, nobody's going to be cutting checks to players directly. But uh, does this mean that, um, you know, a local college bookstore could have um, 
Jake Bentley sign autographs and and make you know pay him to come do it or, or something like that? Um, does this mean that maybe the EA Sports games can return and every player can get a point one percent cut from <laughs> you know sales of the game? Because I mean, let's be honest. As much as we love those games, um, when you were playing as quarterback number fourteen, that happened to just be fast and an accurate passer and did nothing and, but win yeah then you were playing with connor shaw yep. or that defensive end number seven which Jadavian, you know Jadavian Clowney, he happened to be six six um yeah it, all the sevens you see at williams Bryce stadium aren't sean carson jerseys some of them are <laughs> yeah so all. then you <laughs> know most you, of them. you take the jerseys and um you know the potential i think the big thing would be to do endorsements for you know for these guys um at least the door is open right Sorry, I was distracted by a mustache on television. I was wondering uh, what I said. That was phenomenal. That is um, nice. So, point here. You remember when you used to log on to the game? Log on. When you used to turn the game on. It's been that long that I thought you had to log on to the game. Oh, wow. You, you, I, I didn't even know what you were talking about. <laughs> remember when you used to get turn the game on oh, yeah. and, like, go to – this is before you could download the completed rosters that people like Pearson would build and put online for other people to I wouldn't download. even put them online because I was you – know, You did it yourself. It's like NCAA 2007. I was in middle right. school. Okay, I wasn't okay. playing online. I just that's, – that's how I spent my summer was just making the roster exactly match Carolina's But roster. you remember when you'd go on there and they would be randomly, like, missing players, mm-hmm. some of which were sort of important or, like, if you're like, man, Carolina signed – this 2009 recruiting class, like, where is such-and-such such player? Yeah, like, who, no love for you Quad Gilchrist in NCAA football. Yeah, or, or even a player you thought was going to be really good, they'd randomly leave him out. So the players, like, would in, would EA Sports have to do a better job of including everybody, make sure their roster's accurate so that, like, let's say, you know, we're all football players and, you know, Pearson and Wes are on the game and I'm not – do I be still get my cut just because I'm a player if oh. I'm not on the game? Oh, right. I see. I yeah. mean, I would say I no. just not get my cut. Yeah, definitely not. Then no, do I have so, to sue EA and say used. I should be on this game? I mean, or <laughs> I mean that I think that's all part of the conversation. I, yeah. I think in some cases, if if as a group this was meant to be like, you know, that's meant to be South Carolina's roster. That's meant to be Georgia's roster. Um, you know, maybe it would be agreed upon ahead of time, hey, every scholarship player is getting this little bit from every dollar that's that's sold on this game. You know, even even if the roster isn't completely accurate, I, I think that would be that would be It'd still be slightly problematic though, because then you would have people like JC Horn that would be drawing most of the attention to South Carolina. And you would have whoever the backup long snapper is getting like the same amount, and I'm just like anti-communism, yeah, well, which is what that is. But first of all, the backup long snapper is probably not on scholarship, and um, but would still be in the game, probably, maybe, may. I mean, maybe, okay. uh, maybe you said you're only maybe, but I mean, this is like I feel like this is a much greater step into the conversation than we're at right now. Like this all will be figured out down the road. And I don't I, know. I just feel like it's lip service. Because, again, like w- what you mentioned, and you sort of anticipated my next question, which is how are they going to compensate them if they don't want to pay them? Are they? Is it just going to be like No, I think the NCAA is saying we're or not paying them. Huh? I think their point is we're we being the NCAA it, and the schools are not paying them. See, I think. Me, me reading that, and, again, like this is part of the problem with this just being like a very, very new and developing story, so I don't, I don't know the specifics. But when I read that, I 
read it as these guys can't get paid for being college athletes, which is exactly what this would be, unless they find some kind of like semantic loophole or something. I took it as more like we're not paying them. We're not making the payment for their participation in college sports. But if EA Sports wants to pay them to use their likeness or um, Adams Bookstore wants to pay them to come sign some autographs, then we're going to take a step back and, and allow Who wants that. to pay us for mentioning them in the podcast more often? Um, true. Um, that would be a good one. Um, but no, be I, a great one. Perfect fit. But I, I think, yeah, you can get into the, well, now we got to pay J.C. Horn more than backup long snapper number two. But at the same time, we're you're talking about like an ideal world, you know. I don't. I don't. But know they're going to do it. Why not do it right? Because that because it's impossible. If you're going, what what is all right? What's your scenario? What's your doing it right? How uh, are we, how are we going to basically s- let payers get their own endorsements? So if you want to be if you're Kellen Moore or Tim Tebow and you're going to be on the cover of NCAA football 2000, I mean, you know, 13 or whatever years those guys are on it, then you get X amount of money, and the third-string cornerback doesn't get any of that money because you were on the cover of NCAA football, you know? You just want to so free-market capital. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But right. So J.C. Horn's going to have to go negotiate his deal? Or he can get an agent to do that. See, not, but see, you can't do that. He's not going to have an agent. Or the, or the school negotiates on his behalf or something. So now every single player that's in the game is going to have to have somebody negotiate how much money they're getting based on Sure. What? Add another assistant. That's what the assistant does. He handles all the business inquiries for his players. It's, that just doesn't seem logical. The right. game, the game, not, will, is, the game this, will cost $3,000 yeah, to buy. Yeah, the EA, then it, the whole thing falls apart. Some people would pay business, that, honestly. But the whole thing falls apart. But this point. is a business. And we, they have to treat it like a business. Yeah, they're going to treat it like a business by saying, we're giving every player that's in the game a certain amount of money because we are using their likeness in the game. That's not a business. That's a socialism. No, it's not. It that's, is. That's like the definition. It's like everybody gets the same. Everybody no, they're, gets they're the all, all of their likeness are being equally used in the game. Okay, so in the in, in, in the context of like just the NCAA football game, but yeah. in the context of, like you said, somebody, you know, signing autographs at a bookstore, if J.C. Yeah. Horn signs 200 autographs at unnamed bookstore X, you know, <laughs> there's no reason that, you know, Adam's bookstore. I'll, that yeah, there's no reason that Rodriguez fed should, up a bill. should see any of those profits. And I'm I'm okay with that. Okay, all right. So just in the case of the NCAA football game, it should be evenly distributed. I'm okay because with they're that. all being right. But in general, used. in general, there there is going to be some differentiation between certain players. But I, that's just part of it. Yeah, but I I would also rather if you told me that the players could get nothing off this, or that all the players could maybe somehow benefit then I would say that's much better than nothing. I guess, I guess. And you know, I don't guess. That's exactly right. That is better than nothing. But if you are going to do this, if you're going to totally overhaul the landscape of college football, don't do it halfway. Like, do it all the way and do it right. But again, I, I do not expect that to happen. But we will keep you updated as the story progresses. Because again, not necessarily specific to South Carolina, but a very important we got We got to hit movement. questions. Yeah, we got to hit some questions here. We got some thanks to everyone that submitted questions on the Insider Forum on Gamecock Central. We'll get to as many of those as we can here in the next five, ten minutes. What's up first, Wes? Um, Actually, I should be reading these. Yeah, you Because I'm the host. Yeah, let me you pull this up. Well, the first one comes from James Robb. As you're pulling that up, I'll get the first one for you. Um, 
Chris Clark, here I am. Feaster or Rico Daddle? Who is the better every down back for South Carolina in 2019? That's a tough one to answer. I I will freely admit that I I took a peek at these to cheat a little bit earlier, Um, just just so I could look a couple things up that I was wondering in in that brain of mine. Um, You know, here's an interesting thing. When you think of an every down back, you think of a decent amount of carries. And referenced earlier in the podcast that, you know, Tavian Feaster has been a guy who's shared carries, really, more in his career with at least one or two other guys at Clemson. So you look at, in his career, I believe this is correct, he has one 20-carry game. He had a 20-carry game in uh, 2017 against Boston College. 20 carries in that game. And that was it. Um, the rest of his games, if you go through his log, a lot of single-digit carry games. I think aside from that 120 carry game, sort of an outlier, his his next highest was like 12. But isn't that part of the reason he's leaving? That is part of the reason he's leaving. So I, I think what I'm, what I'm going with is, you know, the body of work isn't there as much to say, okay, this is a guy who's capable of doing it 20, 25 times a game. Now, do I think he can? Yeah, probably can. So, but I, we just don't have quite as much of a body of work um, in that case. I do think Feaster, you know, all things being equal, if both players are healthy, I think it's fairly close. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's one where you go, Feaster's just head and shoulders better. He's a different type of back. Um, he's a, a little bit more straightforward. He's faster straight line. Dowdle's a guy who, you know, has some wiggle to him, I think. And when he's healthy, he's been pretty good, and he's shown the ability to – Take a you know have a bunch of carries in a game. He's had good games against good SEC defenses. He just yeah, can't stay healthy and is inconsistent. And he's been inconsistent. So, yeah. you know, I think Feaster. I'll I'll put it this way. I think he has the potential to be that, but I think it's just a little bit to be determined right now. I know that's sort of a cop out answer. You for see how he James avoided Rob. that. If Carolina's backs this year can avoid tacklers as well as Chris avoided that question, yep. then be in good they shape. will maybe win the SEC. Oh, man, I there love you go. that. Um, That's excellent. All right, I but, got I got it pulled up now um, so okay. I can get to the next one, unless yeah. you want to weigh in on Feaster. But. Yeah, real quick, I was just going to yeah. say, I think we have, like, this habit of, well, oh, if Feaster comes in, then that means these other guys aren't any good. or they, You know, we can't. But I think if you're South Carolina, you you need them both. You need this is the running back position. Every team in America has injuries at the running back position. If South Carolina's going to be good on offense, for one, they still have to find a way to replace Debo Samuel, which I'm not sold that they can do. And then, two, they're going to need all those guys, I think. Like, it's not Tavian Feaster or Rico Daddle. I think it's Tavian Feaster and Rico Daddle. Both those guys need to have good years for South Carolina. How many guys got carries for Carolina this year? Um, last year, da- yeah, Dowdle, Dowdle, Turner, Turner, Williams, Tyson Williams, um, Mondenson, Mondenson, Deshaun Fenwick, Slade Carroll, Slade Carroll, Slade Carroll got some carries. Jake Bentley had some carries. The carry on Joiner had some carries. Yeah, Michael Skarnecki probably had a rush attempt in there. So I mean, we're talking. You know, it, it'll be double digit guys to get carries. So it, it's always it's always good to have plenty to spread it around. Now to go back to a conversation that a lot of us had at the beginning of last season, it's probably better. If you do just have one guy, but you need more than one guy, so then it's okay if there's a drop off uh, after after that guy. Also, y'all may have already run this. Someone may have already run this. This isn't revelatory or even that interesting. But I just want to make sure that when Tavian Feaster comes to Carolina 
and then has a really good game and then doesn't have a good game. They are the first with the feast or famine headline. I'm sure someone else will try to run that. But I need to run it first. Yeah, I, okay. I, I'm wondering if it's already been run. It's it, it definitely may have already made, been run. Somebody yeah. made that it's comment. Re- it's really on, easy. Yeah. It's really easy. But I just wanted to make sure y'all yeah. um, have that. City Life Three wants to know: uh, With Jake being the undisputed starter, do you guys think Joiner only comes in for Wildcat type plays, or we use him in multiple spots like the Saints use Taysom Hill? I I first of all think that Joiner would be very good in a role where he played multiple spots, but um, I don't necessarily see that happening right now. I, I think he's more a guy that's going to play quarterback, maybe come in and take some snaps, like you said, in, in particular situations at quarterback. But, I mean, it sounds like Jay Urich is the guy that's going to play sort of potentially the multiple position role. But, um, you know, otherwise I I don't foresee Joyner playing any other positions. Would you agree with that, Chris? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, it seems more likely that when he plays, I mean, we we have said that they would like to find a way to get him on the field, but when we say a way, that doesn't mean, okay, we're going to put him at running back. I mean, it mm-hmm. doesn't really make a ton of sense, you know, we don't think, because, I mean, there's no indication he's ever gotten any reps at running back in practice. Um, so, you know, when you say Wildcat, you tend to think of, running the ball 90% of the time, but Joyner's more of a quarterback. And so I think it's more just a specialty package. Maybe you give him some package plays. You let him go run zone read. You let you put him down in the red zone where he's more of a running threat down there. You give him passing plays. Obviously, he has access to the whole playbook. He's made a lot of strides in terms of accuracy and knowledge and comfort. Um, so he can go in there and, and run the offense and facilitate things. But maybe they give him some type of scale scaled-down package. Or, or just some plays that picking out the things that he does best and let him go and run with it. I think that's more likely than just saying, oh, he's going to come in and just be a Wildcat quarterback. Over under one and a half quarterbacks with at least one reception this year. Quarterbacks with receptions. I'll go over. 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 Yeah. Oh, right, quarter- are we counting Jay Urich? Heck yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I'll say over on that. All right, so who's the other one? Is it Dak? Bentley catching a throwback? I mean, somewhere along the way. Polinsky yeah. off the sideline? Oh, yeah, you can't do that in the season. I'm I'm counting Bailey Hart, too. So Okay, all right. All right, Bailey Hart and Jay Yurick will both have a reception. Even though he hasn't been in the quarterback room for, like, Chris. Yeah. All right, we're going to blow through, blow through these on, uh, last couple. We're going to go We're gonna go lightning round to get to as many as we can. Uh, the cocky gas man says, who besides Kobe Smith can play the zero or one technique to allow Kenlaw to stay at the three? I believe he's more disruptive from the three as he's allowed to attack and not asked to take up space and blockers. I'll hang up and listen. I mean, Kinlaw can play that zero. Uh, Rick Sandage yeah. would be one. Um, you know, I think Jabari Ellis has been more of a of a three, but you know, they might stick him in there. Kier Thomas is more of a three because of his size. Kobe's definitely going to be a guy they count on a lot. Yeah, I think probably role. Kobe and Rick. Kobe and Rick would probably be the main guys that they – they st- they don't have that just necessarily one guy that's just 325 pounds. I mean, Josh Belt would have been a zero technique guy. Yeah. But he is no longer with us here. All right, J.H. Johnson, 67. Which game are you looking forward to the most this season for Carolina? I got to say Alabama game. More than the Kentucky game? Yeah, I mean, that's just going to be a fun weekend, man. Like, yeah. um, With Hootie in town? You got Hootie in town. Um, yeah. You know, you, you sort of hope Carolina – I'm not even sure who they played before that. You sort of hope they still – you know, the season is still on track and that that can be like – I remember when Alabama came to town last time, obviously different circumstances, but the buzz around the program 
and in Columbia was insane. And just, you know, even from a coverage standpoint, like, I, I miss that every single week just about that South Carolina had an SEC game for that stretch where they were really good. It was like a, it was like a national game you know, because South Carolina was the team that was in the top 25. And then when they played top 10 teams, it was like one of the marquee games they're talking about on college game day that morning. Obviously, you had game day that weekend. Like, I miss being able to cover a team that's, like, nationally relevant as far as their games go. And um, that that game will be fun. Plus, like you said, you got Hootie. It'll be fun. It's Georgia for me still. You know, I just want to see if Carolina – how they can compete in that game. Can they finally score that upset that they need to? So I think it's Georgia. Cool. Chris, much better with the lightning round part of this. Thank you. Uh, One more question (laughs) from J.H. Johnson. He hit us with a bunch, a bunch of good ones. Um, But again, we're going lightning round, guys. So what is one key thing that fans seem to forget slash ignore about how hard rebuilding a team in baseball or football is? Um, One thing they ignore. Tough lightning round question. Yeah. Yeah. That's That's like a long answer. But I, I would just say that, um, first of all, I think with the SEC especially is when people get excited, you know, oh, we're getting these four stars and, you know, we got this five star and stuff like that. If you look around the league, most of the other teams in the SEC are getting similar players. So, like, everybody thinks if you just have, like, a, a good class or two that that means, oh, well, now we're going to compete in the SEC East. Well, most of the teams that you're playing against have gotten some similar classes along the way. And the difference in those classes is probably like two or three players. And if those two or three players either pan out or don't pan out, it affects who had the better class or not. So I think the fact that most football games within conference probably go to come down to like less than a quarter. Like if you just like divided it out, uh, less than a quarter's worth of plays determine who wins or loses the game. And so – very small margin for error, and you really have to stack. Unless you're already at just a great place, if it's a complete rebuild, you really just have to stack two, three, four classes on top of each other before you really have a true rebuild. I, I think people just don't do context well in general. So I think I would apply that to this this as well. I mean, so like when you think of South Carolina and you think of quote-unquote rebuilding, well, in this case, rebuilding is just – I mean, just trying to get competitive and trying to get to Atlanta. I mean, South Carolina only made it to Atlanta once and lost. And that wasn't even the best football team they've ever had. That was 2012, and they didn't make it to Atlanta. So you also look at the fact that South Carolina, in the course of their rebuilding, you know, you don't look at them as a team like Clemson, who, you know, won a national title in 1981, had some pockets of success other than that, some pockets of not so good, and now they're back where they are. They had that in the past. Georgia won a national title in 1980. Then they built up to where they haven't gotten there, but they've been close, and they've, they've gotten to Atlanta, and they've won the SEC. Um, you know, Florida has been to the top of the mountain several times, and then they've slipped, and then they got back up. And even they've had some tr- struggles along the way. So um, I think it's just context. And then you look at, like, if you're applying it to South Carolina, well, they're trying to rebuild or just build. They're just trying to get to the point where they can get that first – say, conference title or first divisional title in nine, ten years. And they're having to do that while their two primary rivals in Georgia and Clemson are at the top. And so that makes it even tougher. So that, that none of that – some people say, well, that's an excuse. No, it, it's just reality. It's just 
It's just context, and I think that's something that that people miss. Context is key, folks. Uh, last one, Bagel four hundred. I'm. This is gonna be. This answer is gonna contain some good information, but also wanted to read this because this guy's name is Bagel four hundred. Uh, when does summer football practice start? Is it voluntary conditioning right now? What's on the agenda for May, June, July as far as football training? Uh, that's a good question. Um, May Mester is a little bit sort of. Um, the guys are a little bit split up. You know, for some kids, this is like their final real just chance to get away um you know I, I think um part of the team though is doing Maymester. you had some of the you know the freshmen are going to go ahead and go through Maymester, and um you know they're able to train you know on campus and stuff like that as far as strength and conditioning um i want to say is it june 3rd that the summer semester starts is that right chris yeah i think it, um, a lot of the other freshmen will report like right at the end of may yeah so other ones so june 3rd i think is when that semester actually starts so then they'll start full-on summer strength and conditioning um, without a football. Uh, that's purely focused on building strength and, uh, you know, conditioning the body, stuff like that. That's with Jeff Dillman and his staff. And then as the summer goes along, um, they'll have their uh, PRPs, player-run practices, that start out with um, maybe two, three a week or so and just sort of builds up as it goes on. And those will be run by your veteran guys. You know, Jake Bentley will schedule them up. Probably T.J. Bronson, I think, is – involved on the defensive side with setting those up and um those are there's actually footballs involved with those but there's no coaches there it's completely run by the players great stuff as always guys Wes Chris thank you so much we'll be back next week thanks for all the questions you all submitted keep submitting them we'll try to get to uh, any that we miss in the following weeks we'll also post another thread for um any more questions so sorry if we didn't get to your question today uh remember again if you like what you hear you want us to do more of it rate review subscribe and give us your feedback if we go for too long if we don't do this enough if we don't focus on the right things you know just let us know he's at gc chris clark he's at west mitchell gc i'm at pearson fowler on twitter give us some feedback also subscribe to the gamecock central newsletter that's totally free and if you are not a subscriber to gamecock central and you want to be use code gcpod to get a month of all the insider goodies for free that's awesome that's all you have to do Great stuff as always, guys. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.